God's good, isn't he? You got some good word, right? All right. How many of you remember what we were talking about? Uh, start to say pre-COVID. No. How many remember what we were talking about? What I was talking about? What series I was on? Anybody remember that? Freedom. Thank you very much. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Walking in freedom. The Bible says in John 8, 36, that whoever God has set free is what? Free indeed. That we're free indeed. And uh, that doesn't mean he picks and chooses who he sets free. If you're a born-again Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's who he's talking about, you. You're the ones he's chosen, those of you that receive uh, what he did for us at, at Calvary. And it's, again, it's something that, uh, that we're walking, that we can walk in that freedom. But there's so many Christians, so many Christians, that are not walking in that freedom. There's some people that don't even know about it. They never hear it. They never hear it taught. They just, you know, I don't know what they're you know, missing, but what, but you know, I don't know. If you can read this stuff for your Bible. The Bible says you have no need that a man teach you. That just doesn't mean that we don't need pastors and teachers and evangelists and things like that. But again, we don't have to have them. We don't have to, Father, Father, uh, Father that's kind of like the Catholic, you know, Father, would you read this to me? Father, forgive me. But we go, we can go to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will teach us these things. So we really don't have an excuse. But again, the Bible says that I've given you pastors, I've given you shepherds after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. But again, you can still get the word of God for yourself. Isn't that good news? It is good news. So again, we are free. We are free. And if you, if you attend here at CityGate Church, you know this. Uh, our biggest passion, our mission is to connect people with God. But not only that, but we want to connect people with one another. That's why our our other slogan or other mission statement is we are we're better together we really believe that that you belong here and that we're better together but we want to get connected with god connected with one another so again it's so important again that we come together that we're we fellowship one with another i want to share something with you today and by the way today is uh the, what the 21st anniversary of 9 11 can you believe it's been 21 years ago 9 11 and uh when the what 3,000 plus people were killed through those airplane crashes in the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, um, where was the other one? That field in uh, Pennsylvania. So we still remember that, and uh, we just thank God for His protection over our country. We thank God for wisdom for our our leaders in Jesus' name. Uh, God, we bless you. Let's just pray, Father. Thank you today for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Word today. Give us eyes and ears and hearts to receive. Uh, what you have for us this day. And God, we still continue to remember those families that were lost during that time 21 years ago today. We bless you, God, for continuing to touch those families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I want to share something with you today that I sh actually shared this message about three and a half or four years ago. Some of you may remember it. You remember my, you saw this mud up here. Some of you ladies got excited. You thought maybe this was going to be a uh, we're going to have a facial after, because we do a lot of stuff after church, and we're going to have a mud bath and mud facials and all that stuff. But no, this is for a, an illustration that I want to show you today. But I did this a while back, but, you know, it, it, at the end of this series of, of, this is really not a part of the, the Freedom Series. This will be a standalone message. So if you go to our website to look for it or on our, on our CityGate app, uh, it'll, be a, it'll be alone. But it certainly goes with the Freedom Series, and it's a getting out of stuck getting out of stuck because like i said there's a lot of people that, that have received jesus christ that are free that you've been set free and again remember that's a part of our seven step process of getting people saved connected with god saved healed set free 
discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving him. But in so many churches, you know, the, the great focus is on maybe getting people saved and getting people serving. So there's a lot of people that have skipped that step of getting set free. So there's a lot of people that are saved and they're serving, but they're not walking in their set freedness. They're still bound up in bondages and addictions and some strong and some bad habits that you're set. We're set free from those things. So I want to use this, this message today talking about stuck, because that's where uh, sometimes that's where we find ourselves is, is just in a pattern of, of being stuck. So we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had, and I bet many of you are probably familiar with this. It's in John chapter 5, so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, if you've got your uh, phone or uh, iPad or what other kind of device you've got, you can turn to or click to John chapter 5. This is talking about uh, Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I think there's some good things that we can learn. You know, there's a lot of things that we can learn in this you know, I could be teaching today a lesson about tithing. And, uh, and you're here, you put yourself in a position, you're putting yourself under the anointing of God's word. And uh, the Holy Spirit may be just ministering something totally different to you. You may get something totally different than the, than the subject that I'd be talking about tithing. Because again, you put yourself in a place where the spirit of God is. And where the spirit of God is, there's liberty. And he'll teach you these things. How many of you have ever done that? You were seating and the pastor was talking about something. And boy, you left there. Was, boy, he, just, he really opened your eyes to something. He answered a question that you had. Maybe you were facing a situation and you got wisdom just from being in the presence of God, right? So with this story, really, there's, there's a lot of different ways that, that we could go with this. Uh, you know, sometimes you've got four people walking up a, up, up a mountain, different sides of a mountain, and they all see something different going up, but from the top, they all see the same thing. The Word of God is, is God's Word, but sometimes we can get some different, uh, different angles of, of this message, and we see this a little bit today. In John chapter 5, verse 1, John chapter 5, verse 1, I'm going to read this out of the uh, New International Version. And it said this, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Jews. Now at Jerusalem, now you notice this, isn't this pretty cool? We have this up here now so that you can see. But how many of you can see that better than you can see the TV here? See, we're always improving. We were going to build a new building, but we said, let's just get some stuff up on the screen. That'll save us some money, right? Yay, it was great, right. So anyway, I just wanted to point that up to you. And next week, I think we're going to have the words up on the side screens. Okay, you're not real excited about that. <laughs> I'm pretty beefed about that. That's pretty cool. So let me start all over here. I've just got so tickle pink that that's working so beautifully over there. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which was surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, how many of you have a colonnade at your house? So you, you know, most of us, that's not a word that we typically use in our vernacular, in our, in our type, that what, what a colonnade is. If, when I first thought of a colonnade, I thought, well, it's a column, and they just call it a columnade. But the, oftentimes, colonnades have columns, but that's not this. We look at some other translations, like the New Living Translation says, five covered porches. Oh, so that makes a little bit more sense. The New American Standard says this, uh, New American Standard says this, having five porticos. Now that really ought to ring a bell to you because I would dare to say that most of you that are in this room today, you got here through walking under our portico out there. And that portico has columns that are helped support it, hold it up. But the portico, the colonnade, was actually the big structure. And the reason I'm making a big deal about that, because I'm going to come back to that here in a little bit. 
And here in, this, in, these, in these five colored, covered colonnades was a great number of disabled people used to lie. It says a great number. Now, you know, there's a difference maybe between a multitude. Uh, Jesus healed the multitude. Jesus, he fed the multitude. We know some of the multitudes that he fed was up to 20,000 people, men, women, and children. So we don't know exactly how many. I don't probably wasn't a multitude, probably wasn't 20,000 under five porticos. But it does say here, notice it says, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, all kind of sick folk were un under there. It says one was there, had been an invalid for 38 years. Now it doesn't say that this man had been there for 38 years. It just points out he'd been in this condition. He'd been a paralytic for 38 years. Verse 6 says this, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned, Jesus learned, he obviously, somebody must have told him about this guy, must have kind of been giving him a tour and said, this guy here, we'll, let's call his name Bob. Bob has been here for, for, uh, for a long time, and he's been in this condition for 38 years. So when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned he'd been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Now, verse 6 has some really interesting things kind of going on. And by the way, this guy doesn't recognize Jesus. He doesn't say, oh, hey, you're Jesus, you're the healer, and he's all excited that he's going to get healed. He just thinks he's just some guy that is able to walk that he's not able to do, and he's going around and he just asks him, hey, do you want to get healed? He doesn't know because we know that from, if you look down and if you've got your Bible out, I don't have it on the screen, but on the Bible in verse 13, I think it is, he says that he didn't, uh, when they ask him because he does get healed, when the, the Jewish leaders asked him, who was it that, that did this? Who healed you? He didn't know who Jesus was. He said, I don't know the man. So again, so he does, he's not excited about you know, this man asking him, did he get healed? So again, how many of you found sometimes that, that tone means a lot? When you say things, tone means a lot. When you're writing an email, tone means a lot. And how many of you know you can't read tone? You always read the tone that you think that it said. And that's the danger sometimes in sending somebody an email and you're confronting them or you're saying something that sounds like, you know, uh, Riley used to say when Paula would type in all capital letters in a text, she said, why are you yelling? So all capital letters in a text to Riley is tone. And that's, man, that's, that's, that's yelling. But again here, um, so that's the reason that we need to, we need to do confrontations um, in, a, uh, in person. Um, tone. Um, you don't have to guess tone in, in uh, scriptures like Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul is not very happy with the Galatians because they had been saved by faith. And now these legalistic Judaizers had come in and he's getting them, they're getting them to maintain their salvation by going back to the law. And he's frustrated with them. And he says, you foolish Galatians. The contemporary English version says, and I think it's probably more accurate, says, you stupid Galatians. Now, you notice I said stupid Galatians. I really added the emphasis of the tone but I, because I don't think Paul was saying, oh, you foolish little boys, you silly, silly, stupid people. What are you doing? I don't think he was doing that, do you? I think he was frustrated with them. He said, who has bewitched you? So, and again, I don't think here, I don't think the tone that Jesus said, I don't think that he's being rude to this guy, but to, to ask a, a person who can't walk, and been in that condition for 38 years, do you want to get well? It may not be politically correct today. And there's a chance that Jesus stood a chance of getting canceled that very moment. Because we certainly live in that culture. But here's something, here's something worth remembering. Here's something worth remembering. When, when God asks something that's very obvious, something not obvious is going on. 
Adam, where are you? God didn't lose Adam. It wasn't like, where is that rascal? I, he, he ate that apple. Where is he at? He was asking Adam, where are you? You think about where are you? You know, people say sometimes God said to me, he asked me, you know, when you've done something, or if you've ever said something to somebody, and maybe the, you felt like the Spirit of God says, was that good? Should you have said that? He's not, he's not trying to get counsel from you for you to, to say why it was good for you to say that. For us to think about what we said. So again, when God asks a question sometimes like that, he's not trying to find answers. He's wanting us to think about, about those things. So, so again, he asked him, he asked him, do you, want, do you want to get well? Now notice his reply. Here's his reply in verse 7. He says, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, I'm trying to get in, and no one else uh, goes down, uh, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day in which this took place was the Sabbath. Now the reason that last part, the Sabbath, is important, we'll come back to that in just a moment. So today we're talking about getting, un, getting unstuck. There's something that's going on in the story at this place that's called Bethesda. Because the belief or the, the, <coughs> the, belief or the uh, tradition said that, uh, at, that when people, the sick people were around, the, there was, remember there was a great number, says that an angel would come down ever so often, I think one tradition says once a year, uh, would come down and stir the waters the first person into the pool would be healed. The first person and the only person, one everybody is the first person uh, was healed. Um, can you imagine that some, some rowdy teenagers playing tricks on those people, taking a rock, throwing it over the wall, boosh, splash, and watching all the sick people jump into the water and run home just laughing and laughing and laughing. I think you would have done that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. So again here, so, so again here, the, the, remember, there, there's a, just, just the fact that it, that it might be true, just the fact that it, it could be true was enough to get a great number of sick people to show up there every day waiting on the stirring of the waters. And again, when I say that, I, and I talked to Paula about this, she said, well, don't teach that. And I'm not teaching it, but I just don't think, I just think it was more of a legend. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where one person referred to as Roberta or anybody was, that was healed at the pool of Bethesda. No one that I read in the Bible was healed there. It was just, and they say, you know where they are today? They're not in church. They're down in Florida. They're at the beach or doing something, but they're not here. They. So again, so Jesus comes to town, he shows up at the pool, and uh, he, 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 he maybe, maybe uh, again, somebody may have introduced him to, to all of the, these sick, sick people, and Jesus walks up to, to this guy, the one that had been there probably the longest, and asks him this, this crazy question. He asks, he's asking this crazy question, do you want to get well? And Bob, Bob didn't say yes. He didn't say yes, because what I want you to see here, what I want you to see is that Bob he, he, he isn't just stuck physically, but he's stuck mentally, he's stuck emotionally, and Bob, that's the guy, that's the name that we're giving this guy, Bob, and I guarantee you he wasn't the only one there, because remember there was a great number of sick folk that was there, that were stuck. Today I want you to look at Bethesda just a little bit differently. I want us to see Bethesda as a trap, a people trap. It's a place that promises, but it fails to deliver. It's a place that promises miracles, a miracle that never comes for most of those people. So again, we see Jesus, when, when, when Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? 
Maybe he's just probing this man. Maybe he's just probing to see how much damage this place, that this pool area has done to this man. Maybe the question isn't, it wouldn't be so strange if we asked uh, a couple that, was, that was, we knew were having a bad, they had a bad marriage, they were always fighting and fussing. And, and if we went up to them, we said, hey, would you guys like to have a great marriage? Well, I mean, that would be, be like asking a paralytic, hey, do, do you want to walk? And, they, and again, what's his answer? I can't. I can't because I don't have any way to get in the pool. A person you would ask that question to about a marriage, they would probably think we can't because of this or because of him or because of her. But they're good questions to ask people. A lot of times people when, will come up and, will you, you know, help me with this and say, well, will you do what I tell you to do? And sometimes they'll answer it like this. They'll say, well, I'll do it if it's easy. Because people are always looking for something that's easy. So for us that are here today, and for those of you, again, that are looking online, Bethesda, for us today, is going to represent a place in our life that we may be stuck. And again, I would dare to say that there's probably people in this room, a crowd this size, that there's people in here, maybe more than a few people that are stuck. Those of you that are watching us online, I would dare to say that there's some of you, again, that are stuck relationally maybe it's a job maybe you're in a job and you just don't you just don't see any way out you just you, you know i might i don't have enough education i don't have enough experience i don't know anybody again you feel stuck in that job maybe it's a health issue maybe it's a financial issue maybe it's pornography maybe it's jealousy anger maybe it's just something again an area that you just can't seem you can't seem to get out of a lot of times uh i've, I've had times in my life when i was stuck there was times when i knew i was stuck there's times when i didn't know i was stuck and what's going on in this man's mind when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? What do you think was going on in his mind? For him to answer the way that he did, he must have been thinking, clearly you're new around here. You don't know how things work. Other people around here, they have, they have family with them. They have cousins. They have nieces, nephews. They have brothers, sisters. And they come and they're sitting with them. And when the waters are stirred, they help them in. I have no one to help them. No one to help me. I have no friends. I have no one. I have no one who's able to help me get into to the water. Let me educate you on this. So basically, this, this lame man, is, he's telling Jesus how, how organized his stuckness is, what his problem is. Let me give you a clue. You know that you have organized stuckness in your life when someone asks you a simple question about your situation, and you've got to give them a complicated answer. You know, I, you know I, I, wish, I wish that it were that simple. I, I wish that it were that simple. It, it's really like this. You've got to understand this way. You're stuck. Don't miss this. The longer that your problem persists in our life, it gets embedded into our personality in the habits of our life. It becomes a system in our life that, if you, that, if, that if, again, if we respond to, that we live by, but if we don't, we don't normally see it because it's a blind spot. And see, and the reason that we can't see, reason we, we can't see blind spots in our life. We can see them in other people's life. I can, I can give you four or five blind spots that you, that, you, that you may have in your life. But again, to see my own, that's why they're called blind spots. We can't see, can't see those things. So again, the question is that was, he was asked is, do you want to get well? It's a simple question requiring a simple answer. But this man's system has organized his stuckness. Not only did he have an organized disability, an organized stuckness, he's got a cultural support group that was those that were, that were just like he was sitting around those things. And every day, probably the topic was the coffee and the talking about, ah, the back, my bad back, my bursitis, my knees, my, my this, my, oh, you think, yeah, it's us. 
you ever suffered with anything for an extended time, it's amazing how it becomes a part of your life. That thing. How are you? How are you doing? How's your symptoms and things? And sometimes you just want to tell people, don't ask me about that again. But it's, sometimes it's all that we talk about. You think about, again, Bob at the Pool of Bethesda. 38 years he had been like this. Imagine spending your life laying at a pool in a certain position, uh, talking, about, talking to others at the pool. All the people, all the people are, again, just like him every day, they're just as stuck as he is. And they go on and they talk about this. I guarantee you, you've probably been in one of these stories, especially if you're older, like myself. Now, you're telling somebody about an ache and a pain, or you're telling somebody about a bad situation that you had, or you're telling a pastor, another pastor, about a, 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 troubled, a troubled congregant that you have, and, you say, and you're telling them about these things, and, and then after you get through telling them, they say, oh, you think that's something? <laughs> get this. Well, top this. You ever been in a conversation with somebody, and you tell them, you're pouring out your heart, and then they say, yeah, that ain't nothing. Listen to this. They top your story. You know what I'm saying? You got people like that? So remember back, in, remember back in verse 2, these colonnades. Remember those colonnades, those, those covered things. Again, not only did people at the pool have highly organized uh, system supported by people that were around them that were sick, they had five covered colonnades. They had five covered porticos that offered them shade while they waited. In other words, making their, making their, their, their disability uh, more bearable, make them comfortable. It was kind of the, it was their times... Um, uh, air conditioning. It was, they were built to allow breezes to blow through and to keep people cool. So this man, again, he's trapped in a system, he's trapped in a culture, and he's trapped in a structure that's sheltering his problem, that's sheltering his disability. Did you know this? Did you know that the government will provide you with a system, with a culture, with a structure that will keep people stuck? They do. I want you to understand this. You can have your own Bethesda. You can have your own Bethesda. You may be stuck, and you may have well-supported stuckness, highly organized problems. Bethesda is rigged for failure. It's rigged for failure. One person a year. How crummy is that? One person a year. The reason I'm just not sure that this is God, that just doesn't sound like God. One person a year is not the, the best person. It's the most godly person gets healed. It's whoever's the closest to the water. It could be Hugh Hefner sitting there with two of his blonde girls. It helps him in, and he gets in, and Mother Teresa's on the second row, and she can't get in. But Hugh Hefner gets saved. I know he's dead. But again, it's, again it's, it just doesn't seem like, doesn't sound like God. Now, I do, like, I do use this sometimes, the, the Pool of Bethesda, to kind of liken it to the gifts of the Spirit, getting healed. There's different ways that we can be healed. We can be healed, I call it, by a stirring of the water, by a gift of the Spirit. Remember, as the Spirit, with, as the healing can, we can be healed through one of the gifts of the Spirit, the word of, not the word of, uh, the uh, huh? gifts of healing, working of miracles, and the gift of faith. Those are three power gifts that do something. And, but they're as the Spirit wills. If they were as we wills, let's close, let's sing a song right quick and go over to the hospital and empty it out. But the gifts of the Spirit are as the Spirit wills. It's almost kind of like the stirring of the water. You know, you don't, you don't come to church and, and, and just that stirring of the water is going to happen. It's as the Spirit wills. Here's what I want you to see today. Here's what I want you to get today. Before you leave here, I want you to get this. Get out of your stuckness. Step out of your stuckness. Get out of it. 
It could be a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be any one of those things that I just named them before. It could be a job, whatever it is. You recognize it as your source of stuckness. When you recognize it, I know, again, sometimes it can be. It can be. But again, I, like I said, I've been stuck. And I knew I was stuck. But there's other times when I haven't. And thank God you've got people that love you in your life. And they just kind of, hey, it seems like you're kind of going around this thing. But if you're, if you're going through the same thing, you're going through the same thing and you're repenting and then you're doing it again and repenting and doing it, you're stuck. You're stuck. Don't be blind to that. You're stuck. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to get so fed up. We've got to get so fed up that we get some assertiveness to say, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm going to ask Sam if you'd come up. He's going to help me with my mud here, with my illustration. But listen, <clears throat> To be honest, I don't think sometimes when you're stuck, I don't think that the prayer line is your answer. I, I, that's, that's hard for somebody to hear. I don't think getting somebody to pray for you is the answer. Because the Bible says in Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three says this, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. It doesn't say whosoever shall get God to speak to your mountain. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. Nowhere in there does it ask God till you're telling God to do any of those things. In fact, if you look at verse 23, verse 23 is talking about mountains in your life stuckness in your life speak to those mountains in faith and believe that god is, is taking that, that mountain is gone and then the, the the next verse verse 24 is talking about things that you want in your life verse 23 are things that you don't want in your life mountains could be sickness could be disease could be lack could be poverty i don't want those things speak to those things and believe god the other thing is verse 24 is things that you want in your life Whatsoever things you desire, things that you desire in life, pray and believe that you have them and believe that you have them and you will have them. What comes first, the having or the believing? Don't, remember, don't forget that. So this man, this man in John chapter 5, his miracle was not in the pool. His miracle was never going to be in the pool. He couldn't get to the pool. A great number of people that were here, he had no one there to help him put in. This is kind of a side note, but, but remember I said there were, there were some different ways that we can go with this. Here's another lesson that we can learn from this. He wasn't ever going to get healed in that pool, never. But he put himself in the right place to meet the master. And he, did, he wasn't expecting Jesus to come, but he put himself at that. Had he not gone that day, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just not, I'm giving up. I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not. But he, he just continued to went there. You know, it kind of reminds me sometimes of church. You know, I just don't get anything. I don't care. You keep coming. You keep coming. You put yourself in a position. Put yourself in a place. Be at the right place at the right time. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling together of ourselves. That's not talking about at Waffle House. Well, I meet with my good Christian brothers at Waffle. That's a good meeting. That's a good group to meet with. But that verse is talking about your church, your local church, your company, your people. Put yourself in a position of being there and watch God move. So Jesus says, he says, get up, get out of here. And maybe, maybe this is the reason that God told Abraham and David and Moses and even Jesus to leave, leave these people, leave this place. Leave this place. Remember Joseph, uh, you know, 
Joseph had to get away. He says, your brothers, they, they despise you. They see no good in you. I'm getting you away from them. Uh, I told you before that one of the places that I was stuck in my life, I had to leave that place. I had to leave that place. It wasn't a, wasn't a job issue. It wasn't anything with you. I was stuck and I had to leave. I had to move away from that town to help me to get unstuck from that situation. So in this mud illustration here, let me see if he's stuck. Oh, yeah, he's, he's stuck. You know, if we saw him, if we, if we cared anything about him, and we saw that he was stuck, we would say, Sam, man, you're stuck. You need to get out. Get out of man. Get out of the mud. I really wish I could. How many times have you heard, I really wish I could, but I'm stuck. But listen, the longer you stay in there, the longer he stays in there, the more embedded that he becomes. The more that, 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 that mud, that situation comes a part of, becomes a, a part of him. Here's the problem is sometimes we think that we're the same as our boots. We think that we're the same as our boots. If, if, it's not you that's stuck. It's, it's your boots that are stuck. And your boots represent your system, your culture, your comfort. It's those things that are holding you back. Sam, you, what you've got to do is you've got to step out of your boots. Step out of your boots. They weren't a good fit, yeah. <laughs> but see, we think, again, those boots, so many times we think that that's, but it's, we're not stuck. It's the system, it's the culture, it's the things that's around us that holds us in. And then you say, you know, you get out of those things. But Pastor, I've got a lot of money involved in, um, invested in those boots. Those are nice boots. Yeah, but they're keeping you stuck. You've got to get away from those things. You know, sometimes we need to, one of the things that we may need to do is go home this afternoon and delete some people from our uh, social media apps. Because they're be helping you. They're part of your boots. They're keeping you stuck. And sometimes you just got to tell people, hey, I can't hang around for a while. So you get some things right and I get some things right because we're just not good for each other, what I'm going through. Negativity. You know, and then the devil. You say, you tell the devil, I'm not, not you tell the devil, I'm not doing this anymore, devil. I'm, I'm done, I'm not done. And he said, yeah, you said that before. You said that, you said that over and over and over. But what he didn't notice is you stepped out. You stepped away from your boots. You, now you put yourself into a position. You stepped away from those things. You got to find the strength. Find the strength to say no more. And when God says to you, hey, do you want to get well? Do you want to be blessed? Don't say, well, I got this system. I got this problem. Just say, yes. <laughs> yes, God, I want to do that. You know, at the end of this story in, um, in John chapter 5, Jesus is in the temple and he runs into this, this man that was healed in there. And he asks, listen to this, com this comment that Jesus makes in verse 14. It says, we see, he says, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may come on you. Stop sinning or something worse will come on you. You know, sometimes I think we make room for sin in our life. And I've even heard myself say this, that, you know, we're not perfect. We're going to miss it. And if we do, you know, I think you just say that sometimes to let people know that, that, that have had this, this perfection, um, you know, this, this, everything they do and that they blow it, then it just it blows their world up. That's what 1 John 1, 9 is for, is to forgive us. But again, notice how Jesus, what a difference he says when it comes to sin in the, in the life of a believer. He told this man, he said, sin no more or something worse will come on you. He told the woman that was caught in adultery, he said, where are your accusers? He said, now go and sin no more. We need to have that mentality of I'm not going to sin anymore because when we make room for the flesh, well, I'm going to sin. I know I'm going to miss it. We're making room. In fact, and then when all of a sudden we're, we're tempted, we come up to a temptation. Well, you know, I knew I was going to fall. Why? Because we're making room for that. 
But let's take on Jesus' mentality of go and sin no more. And if by chance that we do, that we ask him to forgive us, and the Bible says that he'll not only forgive us, but he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Find yourself, find yourself, find strength, find, develop a system to walk in. You know, not all systems are bad. There's good systems. There's, there's systems that are bad, and there's, there's systems of godly friends, godly acquaintances, you know, different things that, that can help us. So all systems are not bad. Some of you may need this afternoon, let's all stand. Some of you may need to spend some time this afternoon speaking to some mountains, speaking to some stuckness in your life, commanding those things to go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you again for the freedom that you've given to us. You've made available to, that we can walk in that freedness that you've given to us. It was finished on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood. Thank you by your stripes that we're healed. We bless you today. God, I pray, God, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened. Lord, any boots that we've got on that we need to step out of, God, I pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding so that we could see and understand those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.